Welcome to Say It To Me Nice. I am your host, Bridgetta Giles, certified family life educator, sexuality educator, and lover of the word fuck. It is my favorite word. Y'all have been rocking with me for so long. Y'all know that. Be sure to check me out on my Instagram every Friday for a fuckery Friday for a cutesy little video. Sometimes it's a video, sometimes it's a pic, just to do something fun. I want you guys to let me know what are y'all doing on Fuckery Friday? Every I post every week and no one ever tells me what they're doing. I am nosy and I have no life. So y'all, Fridays, follow me on Instagram at Say It To Me Nice Podcast. Um, and on Fridays, tell me the fuckery that y'all are getting into. But alas, today I am here with the beautiful, the wonderful, the wise, Inez Powell. Yay! <laughs> One day I'm going to have sound effects and it's going to be like applause, 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 applause. Inez, introduce yourself and tell the people how you're changing the world. Hey everybody, my name is Inez Powell. I consider myself a sex expert, a sex coach. I'm also a Reiki master and an energy healer and a Tantra practitioner. How am I changing the world? I hope that I am helping men, especially Black men, really be able to connect on a deeper level with their partners. It doesn't matter if it's male or female. Um, I'm hoping that these changes make everybody a little bit more empathetic towards each other. And then that empathy will kind of just generate and grow and become a part of the world. So, you know, most of my coaching is done one-on-one. I have been asked about group classes. Um, I would like to eventually venture into that. Um, right now, though, my attention really is on the one-on-one because I like to tailor what I do to that person everybody comes into um you know when they if they're in a relationship it's a different perspective so it's different for a married person versus a single person who's cohabitating or a single person who wants to be cohabitating and things like that so I take it on a case-by-case basis awesome like I you know what I didn't know that your target audience was black men and that's dope as hell because we never see processes programs specifically for black men when we're looking at um sex sex education it's typically like for black women at least the black women in the field we we cater our work toward black women what made you choose black men the responses that i got on instagram okay honestly i mean that's what it was yeah when when I have interaction on social media, a lot of the interaction that I have is primarily from men. Mm. And I found it so interesting. And, you know, I was at a friend's house and um, they had a friend over and, they, you know, she was sitting there and she was like, you look like one of those type of people that random folks come up to and start telling their life story and you don't know how to escape. And I was just like, do I have, I was like, yes, I'm that person who in the grocery store, somebody will just bring up a conversation and I'm just like, thank you. How this is kind of weird. Random, strange person telling me your entire life story. Come, yes, please tell me about, you know, the day you got married 30 years ago. Or 
just, you know, and, and sometimes it's not that deep, you know, somebody will just bring up conversation when I'm thinking like, I just want to get my items and leave the grocery store. Right. At the same time, I do see it as kind of like a superpower because it's not everybody who can get people to really open up and be vulnerable. And I think that's why you see a lot more programs targeted towards women, especially in terms of sexuality, because we know how to get into circles Mm -hmm. and we automatically share. Like you and I, we met on social media and every time, you know, prior to the recording started, we were were sharing our day. Mm -hmm. This is what happened here. This is how I'm cooking. This is what my house looks like. We have that because we've practiced it. Yeah. I don't, I I think that you do see programs for men out there. They are, I mean, I know one of my previous coaches, he does programs for men. Um, Carl Stevens from Sons, they they changed the company name from to Sons from Progressive Love Academy. Oh, cool. Uh, They do a lot of programs for men. Now, are men seeking those programs? Mm -hmm. I think that's I think that's a major key is are they aware of these programs? Because I do feel a lot of the times that men are looking for it. They're somewhat intimidated. And when you're talking about sex, sex tends to be reduced down to something purely physical. Right. So when they meet me and, you know, it's like, oh, no, fuck. And I was like, oh, we're going to breathe. And, you know, what do you think about fucking? And where did you first learn about sexuality? Those are not questions that they're prompted that they've been asked before. Right. So they don't really know what to, how to take you when you're like, oh, okay, we're going to take a moment. We're going to breathe. And like, wait, breathe, like you breathe while you fuck. Is that a. Right. Like, is that a thing? And I'm like, like, is it right? Exactly. Is it important? So I do think that it's interesting that as, especially with so much information being out on social media now, you know, we have a plethora of tools out here. It's not no longer a matter of not knowing. It's a matter of, are you open to learning? Mm. And I think there's just a a different, and and I saw it on the agenda, there's a different gap between the pleasure gap that women have and the learning gap or the openness to learning gap that perhaps men are experiencing because nobody wants to get into their 40s or 50s and be told that they don't know how to have a functional relationship. That's true. That's true. And society tells us that men like that's your primary function you you know how to fuck like right it is it is a society tells us if if it's sex it's it's for it's for men so with that is an implication that well you got to know what you're doing you 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 have to there is no why, why would you go get education for something you should know how to do because that's your that's your thing right toxic masculinity that I, do. I don't even know if it's toxic. I mean, I know oh, like on a level, no, I would say I agree in a certain level. I just think that we're all, there are so many ideas. I tell like my clients all the time that I'm always unlearning things. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of ways that we've all been influenced in terms of how to view sex, especially as a within the black culture and by black, I'm meaning global, yeah. you know, 
and in Latin culture, even we have what's called, you know, we would consider in America toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. In Spanish, we consider that machismo, where you know the man is on top of everything. You know, he gets to dictate. Where if, if you as a woman say, all right, well, I want to be on top or I want to do this or this is what brings me pleasure. It's like, well, where do you get off telling me what you enjoy? Right, That's right, right. still a stigma that is embedded mm. in Latin culture. And you're seeing like more and more younger women, you know, they don't need to tolerate it. But, you know, it's something that you have to unlearn. And, you know, I'm... I'm in my late 40, I'm 48, you know, and I'm still, it's like an onion. I'm still unlearning things every day. And some things are easier to move past than others. Right, right. So I could, I could kind of see how it's cultural, right? It's, it could be a cultural thing. It could be just a mental health, I don't think we talk about the mental health aspects of sexuality enough, you know? And I think when we're looking at uh, Black men having higher numbers of, of undiagnosed depression, undiagnosed anxiety, untreated depression, untreated anxiety, and how that impacts sexuality and how you move sexually, you know? That, that play, in my opinion, plays a major role in how sex is viewed, how Black men, men in general, but Black men actually seek assistance when it comes to sex and sexuality. And it usually doesn't happen. Um, I'm really good friends with a nurse practitioner. And one of the things um, that she, you know, when she was when, when she's dealing with her male patients is that they'll come to her and they're no longer, they're having issues being able to perform. Mm-hmm. And she says she has to like pull it. She was like, it's like pulling teeth mm. with no Novocaine, mm. you know, to get them because they're not, you know, they're not going to say I'm unable to perform. You know, right. she can run a whole battery of tests and she'll ask a whole bunch of questions. And it isn't until like the end of the visit where it's like, okay, well, I came for this. And it's like, well, if you told me that you were coming for this, there's a whole different series of questions that I could ask you. And and there's obviously a lot of shame associated with that because a man's worth in this culture is associated to his virility. So your virility goes down what, and and let's say you don't have that access to like millions of dollars or anything. So if your virility goes down and you're the average man, Mm -hmm. how, what do you use to measure yourself Mm. as a man now? Right. Right, because society has already told you either it's in, it's either in your in your pants, or it's not, or or it's in your wallet. That's it. That's it. There's no, you know, we have this whole society which doesn't allow men to really explore mm. all of their feelings. Right. So now, if you take that into mental health, you know, I I think you've seen more discussion around mental health like the past two or three years where it's out here and men are at, you know, other men are at the forefront to say, okay, you know what, it's really important that we talk about these issues because that wasn't discussed before. Like I know 
I would never hear my father talk about mental health. Right. Oh God, no. Like that was. It was like, no, you're okay. You're good. You're good. All right. Go to work. Right. You fight right. for your family. Yeah. You come in. You do what you, you got to do. You tough it out. That that was the right. mentality in in our household. You you tough it out. I can remember. I was raised by my grandparents, and I honestly can say that my grandfather. Um, he he ne- I don't remember him going to the like going to the hospital. He would go for his like annuals and stuff like that because you know that's what you do. But as far as like, are you feeling well? Oh, I'm straight. I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'll be all right. I just need to either you gonna ginger ale it up, <laughs> you gonna uh, oh, what was it? What was it called? Scott's emotion was a thing, and uh, castor oil. They used to castor oil anything. You cough in castor oil. I promise you, castor oil, they would probably have say that castor oil could cure COVID. I swear, my family used that shit like, <laughs> like it was. No, for real thing. though, as a kid, I remember my mom, like my dad having to hold me down and my mom coming with that big teaspoon, uh-huh. not teaspoon, tablespoon. And she's like, you gonna drink this castor oil and then having to push it down with milk. The two things I hated. Mm-hmm. And it was like, like if you show me casserole now, I'm a run. Me too. My grandpa. I can't look at it. Bacon soda, bacon soda inside a casserole, and then yes. make me chase it with a pickle because I like pickles back then. So evidently, I'm gonna forget how nasty this was when you give me the pickle. What, girl? Yeah, a mess. A mess. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's really really dope that you target black men because I do think that black men. Um, need a space, need a safe space to explore and to learn, most importantly, to learn, right? And and it'd be okay to learn. So, yay. So I have a question for you. Yes, ma'am. What is your favorite hotel? Like what, what is some, some real juicy shit that you've done, but most importantly, that you learned from? Okay. So now you made me change my story. Because oh, so, <laughs> I was like, well, it was this. So, but now, uh, and now I'm going to give you a real story. And, okay. and this one, I actually shared this on Clubhouse. This was like, like I have first joined Clubhouse and Lady V, she's oh, of D.D. Passion. Okay. So you, so you kind of know where this is going. Yes. So Lady V had this party and I'm going to say this was, three years ago, you know, ladies night party. And I was like, yeah, you know, I had just met her and her husband. So I was like, okay, party, get out of the house for a night, whatever. Mm-hmm. Cool. You know, and it was real casual, you know, there was food, there was drinks, we were talking. And before you know it, it was like, we was naked. Now I had never really had an experience with a woman before. Like, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where we went around the room and like everybody was very open, you know, it's like, oh, I'm bisexual, I'm bisexual. I was like, I'm bi curious. Okay. I was like, I'm bi curious. I was valid. like, I've never done this. It was, it was very valid. Yeah. And I was honest and I didn't feel I didn't feel like I had to prove anything to anyone. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of pressure wasn't there so you know everything evolved organically what I noticed though was that I was more of the aggressor so I was more masculine like come (laughs) here typically I'm not I'm not like you know I I like big butts Mm -hmm. 
you know, the, the shapelier, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I was very, you know, it was something where I was like, wow, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I was definitely more in charge. Like now I'm again, like I'm a nut. I'm a nut a couple of times. Like, I hope you nut too, Like you, you, you knew, you knew all the time. Like, yeah, I, I was just like, I was like, I know. And it was so interesting because there was this one moment, like, well, you know, like somebody was like passing through the room and they were like, you've done this before. And I was like, you know what happened? They were like, you don't have to lie anymore. And I was like, no, for real, this is my first time. I like never... Oh, and everybody so, was like, for real? So what did you learn about yourself in, in, in that situation? I think that there's fluidity, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, you know, growing up, we're told like, okay, either you're heterosexual or you're homosexual. Whereas for me, I think if I see somebody, I'm really attracted to them. Like I wouldn't necessarily pursue a woman at the same time if I felt that there was an attraction there and we were cool and we would hang out. I, there was something that I would definitely explore. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I think um, for me, when I got older, I, I was more recently, honestly, I was so thankful for um the understanding of pansexuality, right? Because bisexuality aligned with me the majority of my life, but it felt boxy to me, right? So just understanding that, and and I am a label, I hate to be like this, but I'm a labels person. I like, you know, are we in a relationship? Like, do we go together? Is this boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend? Like, what we doing? I identify as pansexual, because I, I I like the openness of it. It feels it feels like there's no box. There feels like no label. It feels more fluid than not, right? And so right. And I, I get that. And I for me, as I've gotten older, um, I definitely lean towards more like the non monogamous, mm. you know, relationship style. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like, you know, before I was very like, I was like, okay, if we're going together, you can't be with anybody else. You can only be with me. Right. And this has to be a relationship and it has to lead towards something like there was so much pressure. Now it's like, okay, can I enjoy you in this present moment? Mm. And that's a huge thing. Cause I'm, you know, I'm a person who likes control. Like yeah. I like I like things in boxes. Boxes are nice, you know, but to be able to say like, I'm going to take the cover off the box Mm. and we're just going to enjoy this for this moment and not put this pressure on either that person or myself to do all these things or to check off all these little boxes so that you'll stay around with me longer. You know, sometimes it isn't something that is supposed to be long-term. Sometimes I had a friend who I hadn't, I didn't realize that I hadn't seen him in like seven years. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a, a, you know, during his time here, it was cool. We kicked it, you know, it was nice to be able to reconnect at the same time. It's not like I'm in his ear every single day, like, Hey, what's up? Like, what are you doing? You're not calling, you know, it, right, it isn't right. like that. Right. And I think that just takes time. And, and like you said, being able to ex 
explore. And, you know, I see that the younger generation, like they don't care about labels at all. They're, they do what they want to do. They're like, y'all are fucked up. <laughs> yeah, like, why do you have to have all these labels? And I'm like, because they make us feel good. <laughs> because then we, we, we know how to interact with you when we know that there's a label. And I, you know, I do give my hats off to anybody who is, 25 or younger and has just said fuck it I'm not paying attention to you because you people have destroyed the earth yeah yeah like are we gonna we gonna find our own way and I'm so inspired by that I'm so like so I'm in therapy I've been I've been in therapy um oh this is my probably second or third stint with a therapist and the one thing one of the things that my therapist is working on with me is not being so in control all the time or not having to feel as though I have to be in control of things. I I had a recent breakup and it like it fucked summer 2021 was trash. (laughs) Absolutely trash. I literally cried all of June, the entirety of June. And it was really, really bad and got in therapy and I just, I'm just to feel better. Right. The most impactful thing that my therapist, um, has has talked to me about is the need to control things. Honestly, as you try to pull and pull and tug and try to get things in your corner, if it's not coming, if you're having to yank it and pull it and grab it, it ain't trying to go. (laughs) That's not the place for it. So why are you trying to put, I use this term, put square pegs in round holes? just because it feels good for the moment. Does it really give you the outcome that you desire? Or is it that mon- that, that moment of, of that feeling that you get in that moment that you have controlled something? That, that you know exactly what this is gonna be and how what it looks like in your face, but it's not gonna give you the overall outcome that you're looking for. So for me, like I'm so inspired by this generation of, you know what, monogamy is not the end all be all. In my, like, I'm, I, there are times that I really wish that I was not a monogamous person, but I am, <laughs> but I, I am, I align with that, but I'm also exploring why do I align with that when that has not worked for me at all in my entire history of being in relationships. It does It's not. a lot. It's like, I'm not going to tell, like, I'm not going to lie. I have... I have waffled from one end, like I've gone from here to here, to here, to here, to I'm not going to have sex at all. I'm going to be celibate. And then, then, you know, like I will never go on like a long stint of celibacy ever again, because the one time that I did and I finally did have sex and I thought it was like the best thing in the world and it was like the best relationship and it wasn't like my family was looking at me like, what are you doing? Like, this is not, how do you, like, they were looking at me like, they're like, what, who is this? Right. They're not, they're, and, and that's what happens though when you cut yourself off for such a long period of time and then you finally get some and you're like, this is the best dick in the world. And it's like, no, it's not. You just haven't had dick in a very, very, very long time. And you think that this shit is good and it's it's whack as fuck. Right, (laughs) right. Listen, 
I think Which I, brings us into the pleasure gap. <laughs> yes. So great segue. <laughs> so, so I really wanted us to talk about this, this pleasure gap, the orgasm gap. Um, if you, if listeners, if you, if you didn't know, grab, take a seat, grab your hats and your puss and your pearls. But the orgasm gap is the crazy gap between heterosexual men and heterosexual women, the difference of rate of orgasm, right? I think that's a good way to describe it. Whereas Mm -hmm. heterosexual men are experiencing orgasms at, I believe it's a 90 some percent rate, like 90, I think it was 98% of men state that they are able to orgasm with um, penis and vagina sex, right? Whereas heterosexual women are like, where's the meat? Because we ain't getting it. It's like 6% of women are stating that, yeah, I can or I have orgasm with uh, penetration. And that's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. But it goes further. Heterosexual women are having less orgasms than queer women. Queer women are having orgasms at a rate comparable to that of heterosexual men. What you think about that, Inez? I think here's, as, as a person who typically identifies as heterosexual woman, um, there's a lot to that. Like, we don't take time. Like, honestly, to take time to enjoy a person's body I, you know, I think a lot of men approach sex as a goal. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to get in, she's wet, I'm going to hump a few times, and I'm going to ejaculate. And I would even challenge men to really re- relook at that. It's like, okay, yes, are you ejaculating or are you orgasming? Right. Mm. So tell the difference, because I don't think a lot of people realize there is a difference between ejaculation and orgasm. Yeah. And orgasm and like you have different types of orgasms. You can have like I've experienced full body orgasms without penetration. And when I experienced, I was like, okay, dick is good, but can I get this? Like if I could get that every day, right? girl, I would be walking out in cloud nine. You couldn't tell me shit. Like my, like my whole world would be perfect. You right. know what I'm saying? Because right. you have so much energy Mm -hmm. I mean and you feel it through like every pore of your body whereas if you're just having you know if like I tell men I'm like are you really orgasming it's like well I came and I'm like yeah what do you feel afterwards right like you know and I don't think men have really had the opportunity to really sit and explore what that is it's like what is it to feel like if I slow you down you know especially like when I work with my my one-on-one clients my coaching clients and I do just touch and I was like I'm I'm just gonna touch you like I'm not touching your genitals I mean um, unless that's something that we've discussed Mm -hmm. and and you know we've been working together for a period of time but I'm just gonna touch you and ask you what does it feel like Mm that's a challenge for them because you know they'll say oh it feels good well how does it feel good does it feel warm does it feel cold or you know I was like if you like this particular touch tell me 
you know, do you want more of it? Right. And so I do think that people, I do think that there's a general understanding and it's cultural where we think, okay, men orgasm and it's merely that they're ejaculating. It's like, well, what are you feeling? You know, what's going through your body? You know, what's your breath like? If you're Mm -hmm. just, if you just build your seed, Mm-hmm. Really, you're just ejaculating. Right. You're just getting right. off. Right. But what was the actual experience? Right. What can you describe the experience? Because there are, you know, there is a, a flow of energy. And that's something else that I go into too. Like, what's the energy that's being experienced here? You know, are you forming that circuit? Because right. there are certain, you know, views in Tantra where if you're, if a man tends to come before a woman where it's like you're short circuiting this woman's energy circuit. Mm, I haven't thought about it like that. Yeah. That's something that Yogi Bhajan says. He says that, and, and there's a book that I have that's called uh, uh, Sex and I forget. It was like, I'll, I'll send you the name. It's like sexual something. And it has all these different Kriyas, uh, yoga postures and everything else. And the first thing that he says is, is that's very important is to allow the woman to orgasm first. Now that means that you have to slow down. Yeah. Yeah. You can't rush. Like this isn't rush. like, okay, you're wet. Let me go. And that's something that as women too, we have to own up. It's like, I need more time. Right. I need I need more foreplay. Like right. five minutes ain't enough. Don't spit on me. Right. That's a big, like, there's a thing called lube. We could probably do a whole thing on a thing called lube, but it's like, slow down. Yeah. Like, what would happen if we slow down? Oh, you get to have an actual experience. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not just hump, 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 done. Like, there's an actual, you allow it to flow back and forth. There's an actual exchange of energy instead of we just doing what we're doing for the moment. Right. Like I had to tell one, I was like, look, you know, <laughs> we still going to do all this bedroom gymnastics. I got to stretch. Right. I was like, we don't have to do all this. All you, know, you know, I, legs up. To, look, if, if if you enjoy it, I get it. At the same time, we don't have to do all that. Right. How much of that is programming, though? How much it is, is programming through watching pornography, which I am I am an advocate for porn. Make sure if, you, if you're watching or partaking in porn, make sure it's ethical porn. Please pay for your porn. Get your porn from ethically sourced spots. Pornhub is right. not one of yes. them at all. But, right, like not Pornhub. <laughs> right, right. Don't do Pornhub. Uh, but just looking at, at that these different situations and scenes, like, you want to take my leg up to my ear and then my other leg is it's cocked to the right because you saw it on a porno versus is this something that actually brings you pleasure? Is this something that is actually bringing your partner pleasure or are you just you you just mimicking what you saw and you feel as though this is what you're supposed to do because it worked on the screen. Right. And, and, and that's the, and there's a disconnect there where I had to, like, I tell people, I'm like, what you see on the screen, those are actors. They're getting paid. Right. Listen. And hopefully they're getting Who paid paid me well. the right amount. I can stretch from here to there and everywhere. Shit. 
they 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 put on a show because they're paid to put on a show. I exactly you pay me to put on the show. Now if that's what you into, awesome. Wow. You gotta let me know beforehand. Know so I can stretch. Like I'm like, I need to stretch. Yes. Hold on. I do. Like if I go to see him, I take a moment. I, he's like, what you doing? Stretching. Yeah. And he'll laugh. He's like, he's like for real. And I was like, yeah. I ain't seen you in a minute. So right. I, I need to. I was like, we can slow down. We we don't have to. Come on now. I'm a certain age. Listen, listen. I'm ease me into I, it. I am at an age. I'm I'm an age, but like certain things, like I was prior to the breakup, I was like serious about stretching my asshole. Like I started like so I have this tail and I love it. It's a butt plug and it's a tail and it's super cute. But I was like, I want to try anal, but your your dick has a lot going on. It's a lot of dick and it got some curve and you know, uh, I think you follow her, Amina Peterson Amina. from Atlanta Tantra. Yes. So there was a time Amina had a room on Clubhouse, like mm-hmm. I want to say months ago, because it feels it feels like we're it feels like it was a year ago, although it was only months ago, mm-hmm. where she was like when it came to anal, you know, there are different types of lubes and like not everybody, you know's penis can you take in anally. And I was just like, oh. Listen, I, I, I should have been in that room. I mean, that's not my level of play, you know, at the same time. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, there are definitely some men who would be like, uh-uh, you, if you're that well endowed, you you know you can't just go on it. No, you can't. No. And then there's no like, well, which which way you want to do? Do you want to just go straight in? Do you want to take it slow? Either way, no, you got appreciating. Like either way. And you have to take it slow because the anus, the you know, the anal muscles are not they don't recover in the same way as the vaginal muscles. Your anal muscles don't do that. Like you have to. It takes practice. It's not something that you can just jump in and say, all right, I want to do anal. (laughs) No, there's this cute toy. It's called Oh Nut. It's these three rings. I saw this three years ago when I went to Sex Down South here in Atlanta. Oh my God, next month are you going? Sorry, go, go. I, I hope so. Look, you're the second person who, who's brought it up to me. So, you know, things in the universe can always work themselves out. But it was a cute toy. And it's like these three rings. And, you know, and they're, I forget what they're made of, but they stretch. And it can, it allows you to begin that exploration so if you just wanted to start with like your fingertip you know you could put it you could put all the rings around your fingertip and then as the person gets more and more comfortable take off one ring and then if you were going to try it with a dildo or if you were going to try it with an actual penis you can start using that so yeah it was I was like oh that's creative okay so you don't don't dive into this I like that I like that well, I, I got these different sized um, uh, butt plugs, right? And some were like super cute. They have like a gym. The one I got, I got the last one that I purchased had like a little, um, like a little ruby looking gemstone on it. It was like super cute, but they're all different sizes. So like once I got from like the smallest one, I was like, okay, I feel comfortable with this one. Then the next one, I still, I still ain't made it to 
the size that would have been comparable to his penis. So like, that was my whole thing. I'm just trying to build up to get to this level because I needed to. So I, I, all that to say the shit that we do for pleasure, pleasure, you have to practice your pleasure people. And I think that is something that these younger generations, like they go out for pleasurable experiences. I think I would say like my generation and probably even your generation, I think there was a point where, okay, we wanted to experience pleasure and then society, whether it be our parents, our neighborhood, our upbringing, beat the shit, beat that shit out of us. And then we just dropped it. And now, you know, we're, we're all so much older and it's like, well, how do I get, how do I rediscover that? Because I don't think you could ever go back to that point. I think you just have to rediscover and while you're doing things, you may, you may find things that remind you of what that was like. Right. Right. I agree. I think we were talking before we start recording that I can remember very, very vividly being in like high school and loving the feel of um, fire or the warmth of fire on my fingertips and not really recognizing that that was pleasurable to me. Like I just thought I was just weird doing some weird, weird shit, right? But just thinking back with this new understanding of pleasure, like, no, I found that to be pleasurable, right? So now as I'm doing more sex exploration, right? Just wondering, okay, how is this something that I can incorporate safely? I'm not really well versed on uh, fire play, but how that is something that, you know, maybe I should look into that because this is something that I found pleasurable in my youth. So just being able to, yeah. And, yeah. and that's the wonderful thing about like kink is there are so many different levels to it. Oh, so many, so many. I mean, like I've had cathartic, episodes you know when I was in play and then you know I've had like really healing episodes like where I you know maybe not at that moment but it brought something up much much later times you don't know what to do with all these my gosh I thought (laughs) but the body remembers right right the body remembers the mind may be like I don't want to deal with that now and it's like uh uh-uh it's up yeah it's not going yeah, anywhere. Like I can't, I can't put it back in the box. It Wide doesn't open fit. Now. Go ahead and explore it. Go ahead and explore it. But I think, so I do want us to talk about like the pleasure of black women, because I think experiences like that and remember, like you say, rediscovering who you are or discovering who you are sexually, because you're right. We, we are the generation that it got beat out of us. Like women, you don't, no, sex is for men, right? Sex is for men. So if you express even an ounce of, of pleasure or ex- wanting to experience pleasure or being curious about your own pleasure, then you are in the wrong. I can remember being 17, 18 years old and we went, my mom took me to the mall. I was buying clothes. I was getting ready to go to college. And my mom, uh, we went to the mall and we had gone into Spencer's and I had my own money at this time. I had, I had my, a little, little job. So I was buying me some little school stuff 
And I went in Spencer's to get, I already knew in my head that once, as soon as they dropped me off, I was going to go get a piercing. I already knew. I knew as soon as they dropped me off at college, I'm about to get something pierced, everything pierced. Every, I was about to get tatted up. That was always a plan. So I went to Spencer's to kind of sneak and look for some jewelry. But then I also saw these dice um, that had, you, you know, the ones that have like kiss, lick, bite. Oh yeah, I, I remember. Like, uh-huh. Right, I was like, oh, and they and they they were glow in the dark. And I just thought they were the cutest thing. So I got that and a mini vibrator. It was a little bullet, a little small bullet. And so I was like, oh, I want to get this too. So I purchased it, had it in my little bag, put the bag in my purse, got home. And I was just unloading myself and I was trying to unload that real super duper quick. And my mom saw the dice and the vibrator. And when I tell you, she nut the fuck up. My, my mama went crazy. And matter of fact, I was 18. I know I was, it was after my birthday that summer. I was 18 and my mom acted a damn fool. My, my aunt swooped in to save me and was like, she's 18 um she she's not sexually active at that point I was but she's not sexually active um she she's doing it's what's wrong with what she's doing and my mom was like she's she's preparing to to be a hoe and that's how my mother viewed it my mother just knew you had a vibrator and you bought some dice you're getting ready to go to college and I was very sheltered I grew up very 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 sheltered I wasn't allowed to do a lot of anything in high school junior high just growing up in general and so in her mind like I was about to go wild out I was about to find any I was about to fuck anything moving because I bought myself a vibrator I think that was one of the reasons why I went so far away to college. Like the first campus that I went to was outside of Pittsburgh. And I was like, yeah, y'all can't just drive up whenever you want. Cause I lived in New Jersey and Pittsburgh was a good nine or 10 hour drive. Like you're not just going to roll up, but I would not be in my room a lot of times. And my mother was like, yeah, I'm here. And I was like, okay, first of all, if you, for 18 years, you had me in your home. You laid this foundation. If you think that me being 10 hours away means that, and me not being in my room means that I'm going to fuck every single person that I see, then you don't know me. Right. Or at least you don't have faith in what you instilled in me. Mm. And I grew up sheltered. You know, I, I wasn't allowed to date, I, you know. I wasn't allowed to do a whole lot of things either. I just think that there's this fear. And I know like in my high school, I was in eighth grade and one of the girls in my eighth grade class, she had sex and we all came to like, like it spread. We went to Catholic school. So (laughs) you had two eighth grade classes and like, you know, the, the teachers, like the administration was like, oh my God, how are we going to do this? And like, everybody was so upset, but they were, they treated her differently. They didn't treat the boy differently. Like he came from, oh, you know, his family was fairly well off, you know, they had some money and everybody was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And like high school for her was hell because she was like, we were she was ostracized. My mom was like, I don't want you talking to her. Like our parents are Cuban. Mm -hmm. 
like even if you didn't grow up in the same area, the fact that you were Cuban and you lived in West New York, it was like you're Cuban, you know, you you emigrated here, you left everything behind, that made you automatic family. Now here it was, you know, my myself, my best friend, we're all being told, don't talk to this girl because she had sex. Like cut off, like no communication. Mm-hmm. Like she wasn't allowed to anybody's house. And you don't realize the trauma that that causes somebody. You know what I'm saying? And looking back now, it's like, damn, you know, if I had, I mean, but then again, that pressure is like, if you stand up to your parents, you're going through hell. Like, I remember I did that for one particular girl and like the slap came so quick and so fast. Right. Like I still feel this thing on right. Like you can't think even, about it. You, you can't. And I was just like, and I was just like, you know, I felt like, well, she doesn't have, you know, this is a different girl. I was like, well, she doesn't have anybody, and just because she's more experienced sexually doesn't make her a bad person. But when you're in a small town and mm-hmm. you have these heavy cultural values, like sex for me, the way I was taught was like, you only have sex when you get married. Like not even like pleasure, not date. Uh, you have sex when you get married. And I was like, but wait a second, half of our fathers had children from other relationships and they weren't married. So how did they get right. here? You can't bring that up. Right. You know, oh never. You can't bring you know, you can't bring that up. That That's not talked about. We're talking about you. Mm-hmm. We're talking about how you're supposed to behave. So that pressure, you don't get to explore. Like, mm-hmm. I remember probably, I was probably well into my 20s, you know, until I like, like bought books on sexuality and just mm-hmm. general, just like educational stuff. Right. And it was a rainy day. It was a Saturday. And I don't know what possessed my mom to go to like the bottom. Cause I didn't hide my books. You know, they were out in the open, but you had to like, like you had to yeah. go past 20 other books to get to, to my little stash. Mm. So those were the books that she chose to pull out. And my brother woke up later on that day and I don't know, somehow he brought up the, like the topic of sex came up. And my mother was like, Inez has a lot of books. So you should, you know, maybe she'll be comfortable. And I was like, wait, know what why? I right, because I was dead asleep. And I look over at my little, and I was like, well, you done pulled two of my... Right. Oh, okay. And, you know, there was like that, like that level of embarrassment because, and, and I was fortunate, you know, my mom, you know, she worked in a hospital, she worked in healthcare. So when it came to, okay, here's how, here's a proper way to use a condom, you know, when I had questions like that, you know, she told me, um, you know, at that moment when my dad was still alive, my dad was like, why are you telling her these things? And she was like, I don't need her running out here in the street, hearing the wrong information. I need her to know the accurate information because right. we didn't have the internet or things like that. We just had you know, magazines and gossip. And that's it. Magazines. And that's it. And, and people so at least I had, at least I had, I was fortunate enough to have that. But to really say that I got to sit and explore my body and, and find out what I like or what I don't like, that always was like, you don't talk about that, you know, and if you do it, you do it. And 
late at night when you know everybody's asleep and then you walk away feeling guilty because God was watching you masturbate. Right, right. <laughs> that was the stigma. You know, that was the stigma that I grew up with. So it was like, it's only now it's like, sexuality is good. It's good to masturbate. Masturbation is good. Masturbation is good without like that back, like God is watching you come. And it's like, I know. Great. Hope he enjoys it. Like, like that's where I am now. But I, people always think I'm, I'm lying or I'm joking. I grew up in a very strict household, but I, I can remember, I I don't remember a time in my life where masturbation was not a thing, to be honest. Like, I don't just, and I probably just need to sit and think. I'm pretty sure, like, I discovered it some kind of way. I started some kind of way. I have, I can't remember a time where I did not. Um, So I, I have always had the fortunate um, things, I guess, to, to know what feels good to me my entire life. Even when I was not sexually active, I, I knew what pleasure was for me, but I was never, it was just a secret. It was just something I did on my own. And I would listen to the kids in high school, just talk about all these different things. And to me, I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound like it feels good at all. <laughs> like, I'm like, well, why would you do that instead of this? Like the concept of everyone has their own pleasure. Things are, different things are pleasurable to different people and that your pleasure is is your own and it's not something that you should be ashamed of. Like I would never speak on anything because number one, I saw how much like the the people in your class, like how the sexually active girls were, were treated in high school, like, like they were trash and they, and they weren't, they were doing what they do and they were doing the things that other kids in our class were doing. So anyway, I remember the first time that I attempted to articulate to a partner what I wanted. And I was 19, 18, 19, and he did not, 19, I was 19. He, you would have thought I told him that his mama is a bitch like you would have thought like his reaction was just so like abusive like it it was it was an it, it was a a moment of abuse for me and it really stopped me from expressing this is what feels good to me I, after that with this person I was a hoe I was like you must be out here with all these dudes. You trying to say my dick trash? Whoa! <laughs> Never said any of those things. But because I had some knowledge of what felt good to me, I automatically became bad or dirty right. or like something was wrong with me, and it stopped me from expressing that. And honestly, just really in this moment, I'm thinking back. My partner selection for a very long time. Um, how I navigated relationships, the people that I chose, like, uh, I feel like that moment with him really did impact all of the situations that occurred after that, for the most part, until, until I got divorced. Um, I think it was 30, 29, 30, something. I forgot. How old. Nope. 28. I was 28 when I got divorced. So yeah, that's when I believe I really said, fuck it. I'm going to say if this is good, if this is bad, hey, don't do this, do this. Um, and whatever happens, happens. And I was already programmed to believe that it was going to be negative experiences. 
I, yeah, I actually ghosted a guy mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I wasn't as vocal and I'm finding my voice now. Like, I won't put myself in a situation where I feel uncomfortable. I'm, I'm about, right. you know, like, I'm, I'm too old for that and I got a car, so there's no need to, to like, torture. But I remember distinctly, like, he was tweaking my my nipples and I hate that because my nipples yeah. are very sensitive said really loud I was like ouch that hurt you know and I took again took his hand because you know we were making out and then he went he was like well I know what I'm doing and at that moment like that flag went off in my head I was just like did like like I really sat there and I was like does this motherfucker say that he knows what he's no, doing no, and no. I just said you're about Right. And I've taken your hands twice in cup and I was like, you know what? Why don't we just watch the movie? You know, because the movie right. was on, but we weren't watching it. Right. And like as the night went on, he was like, Well, do you want to say it? And I was like, I gotta go. Right. I mean, I'm talking like I was in the middle, like I had just moved here. I really didn't know very many places. You know, I'd driven to his house and he was like, No, I'm gonna work. And I was like, No, 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 no. I, I was like, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go home he's like are you sure but it's late and I was like I'm going home yeah and I got my ass in the car I mean and I'm talking about he like lived it felt like the woods and I I was just like please just I, was, I looked at my car I was like just get me home I'll never put you through this again and like I got home and like like after that I never called him again like he was like hey when are we gonna hang out and I was like you know I was like, I'll, I'll let you know, but mm-hmm. I just, because how do you not, I've showed you what I like twice mm-hmm. and you've made the determination that you're going to continue to do what you want to do, even though it's making me hurt and is very uncomfortable. Yep. That right there is like, I I've ne- I don't see what the appeal is. Right. Like I can never. That's like me sucking on a guy's dick, and he tells me, "No, I don't." You know, you're a bit too rough. Can you do this? Yeah. And me continue to be like, "Motherfucker, you should be happy that I'm sucking your dick anyway." Right. Like, like it's guys never. Guys don't. I mean, some guys will. Some guys would just be like, "All right, you know, it hurts, but I'm getting my dick sucked." Like and other guys would be like, "Nah." You know, I mean, at least my lovers are like, yeah. no, you're not going to do what you want to do. And I'm going to be uncomfortable with it. And I think for women, being able to say, no, this feels uncomfortable or no, that's not pleasurable or this is how I want things done. And, and, it's, and, and it's, hard for, it's hard for men to hear, you know, mm-hmm. how do you... If you take the time to explore and you're not rushing and you don't come into it with a preconceived notion, and I think a lot of times we just come into these, you know, explorations with a preconceived notion of what we want, instead of saying, asking that other person, well, what do you like? Right. What do you enjoy? Like, I actually had somebody ask me, like, what do you like? What do you enjoy? And I was like, well, I like, an, you know, an occasional paddle. And, you know, he went and got a small little paddle. And I was like, oh, oh you, you listen. Right. He he paid attention. I was like, oh, oh. So all I had to, like, all I had, like, to me, it was a surprise. I was like, oh, so if I speak up, I get what I want. Right. Who knew? So, and that's, that. so <laughs> I wanted to, us to talk about how to bridge the the orgasm gap but 
literally that's it. Ladies, speak up. Let it be known what you want, what you don't want, and take a take a lesson out of Inez's book. And if they're not reading the room, they're not paying attention to the cues, get up and get get gone. Yeah, I, I would and I would say that for anybody, you yeah. know, woman, man, non-binary, whatever your however you identify. If you're in a space where you're not being respected and this person is doing something that you've clearly said is not working for you. Right. Leave. And sometimes you can't. Sometimes that's when shit gets dangerous. Right. (laughs) Because some people don't know how to take rejection well. And see, and... And I've dealt, I've dealt with those people, like, Same. like, at, like when Same. we have clothes on and I'm like, no, I no longer want you. And it just becomes this obsession. And you're just like, wait, how did we get here? Like, I don't remember. Like, I don't remember joining you on this journey of being obsessed where now you feel like I can't do anything. And so I, I would definitely say, you know, your, your safety is paramount. Right. To everything, right. you know, and your and safety that we, will lead to your pleasure. Right. But I hate that we even have to have this conversation for women like, hey, it's important for you to speak up and say no and, and you know, move around, walk away. But it's also important that we let you know that sometimes it could put you in danger. That is the craziest shit to me. Um, people in the sexuality field, we're we're always raw, raw women, you know, speak up, do this, do that. But then we also have to turn around and say things like, but be careful. Don't, you know, say these things, but make sure you say them in a in a, a well-lit area. <laughs> or right. Say this, you know, make sure you know where the door is when you say it so that you can make a real quick run if you need to. And it's it's is disheartening. Um because the only way we can bridge this 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 orgasm gap is if women feel confident and comfortable being able to share what's pleasurable, share what's not pleasurable, and speak up against like, yo, you're not going to use my body as something to jack off to. I need you to have this experience with me so that it's a mutually pleasurable exchange. And when I tell you, Bridgetta, that when men first contact me and, you know, and just like conversation and I'm t- and, and I'm saying, no, this isn't just about two bodies joining. Right. And, 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 and never explicit. I'm just like, OK, well, what are your ideals about sex? Like it takes them back. And it's like, oh, wait, there are ideals about sex. And I'm like, yeah, how, how do you go? I'm like, when you first approach a woman, how do you approach them? What was your last relationship like? Like those are, for some men, that that's very deep. They've never given consideration to that. So it's really important. And, and I'm not saying it always has to be me. I mean, obviously I would love for more men to feel comfortable to, to approach me to be able to have those conversations, I think that that's something that men amongst themselves have to be able to do to to hold each other, to hold themselves and each other accountable 
Because it's one thing to have a woman tell you, and it's another thing to have your boys tell you or your frat tell right. you, or, you know, you hear a conversation and it's like, wait a second, that's not right. Like you pulling right. that person to the side and saying it after the fact kind of doesn't have the same impact right. as when you're saying it in front of the group. And, right. you know, we are a social species, you know, everybody wants to belong. So sometimes you have to step out. So for those men who, who do step out, who call out that behavior, you know, kudos to them, keep up the, keep up the good work. You know, I, I, I love seeing it and I hope that more and more men are paying attention because that's the only way that really we're going to have, begin to have those kind of healthy relationships to be able to do that level of community care that the net ministry is always talking about and it's like yes I want that community care I mean the excluding one whole gender you know is it's not gonna it's not gonna be functional for the earth if we want if we want to save the earth it's gonna take everybody (laughs) right we all got we all have a part to play we all have a part to play Although there are moments where I'm just like, aliens, can you just come get me now? Like, I think I've done my time on Earth. I'm ready. I'm really expecting, y'all, this is just how, with my belief system, I do believe the aliens are coming. I do. We got all kind of weird shit happening that can only be, something coming, be it something deep down in the depths of the goddamn ocean or something falling about the sky. I don't know yet. But whatever it is, y'all just, just, Stop teasing us. Bring it so that so we can know which way we're going. I feel like they the aliens will like me. I don't know. That's how I feel. I was like, I think I'm cool enough that the aliens right. want to like keep me around, not as a pet, like as a right, actual. like as like a like like we could be consultants. We could be like, right, you know, like consultants. okay, we're gonna use you, you know, we're gonna have you guys as like human consultants. Yeah, and you know, we're not gonna experiment on you and do some crazy shit. We really want to know like what's going through your mind. Like I'm really there, and, and I'm just like, can you stop playing with me and just get me ready? Get me this shit is crazy. <laughs> real ridiculous around these parts you ain't got to you ain't got to i ain't got you got to put me on no leash or nothing i'm gonna come willingly right it's gonna be, it's gonna be cool you know why are we like this because <laughs> um, because we're ready yeah, we, we are ready because this is some bullshit so three sex tips for couples be a great listener mm-hmm. speak your mind and set your boundaries. Oh, those are good. Those are really good. Say that one more time. I hope I can remember them. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was really on the fly. Um, I would say, be a good listener. Because, be a good listener. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, be a good listener. Be a That's good listener. important. Yes. Um, listening doesn't just stop with what you hear. Because I think a lot of people, oh, I'm a good listener. I, I will say my um, my last partner um, was very, very good with reading not only what I said, but the changes in my breath, right? The, the change, like when I would switch, like just how my body moves um, in, in pleasurable situations. And like, if I were to stop, like, are you okay? If, if I'm like, 
like my body doing the wave all kind of crazy like okay you like that so I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a little pressure on this like it it really does that's mindfulness that's a that's a part of having a mindful sexual experience and it's beautiful when someone is able to do that and I remember in my communications course in cotton you know in college it was like 98 percent of what's said is nonverbal. So when you are in a sexual situation and somebody is, you know, to have somebody see those, to pick up on those physical changes, even though it's nonverbal, mm-hmm. you know, that's a huge thing. You're like, oh, come closer, come closer. Yes. Um, the other thing was, and I think this was number three, was set boundaries. Yeah, yes. And you know, and some people don't like the word boundaries, you know, they feel that that's too harsh. Um, you are where you are. Yeah. Say what you like, yeah. you know, to be able to speak up. And it's not always easy. And it takes practice. Yeah. And it's being gentle with oneself. Because mm-hmm. I know that there are plenty of times where, you know, I could look at a past situation and be like, damn, I should have said something. Well, yeah. the lesson is, should I find myself in a similar situation? What is my reaction going to be? Oh, that's good. That's good. That's really good because so often, like I, I get stuck in, damn, I should have said, or I should have d- did this. But when it comes back around, cause it always does. Am I going to remember what I said? I wish I had said, or am I going to remember? Right, Exactly. Yes. Yes. Because you're gonna be you're gonna remember the feeling and the bot and your body is gonna yes. remember the feeling. Yes. Now, now to break that cycle and to create a new cycle, it's to stand up for yourself. It is to to speak up. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where having that clear boundary is and also being a good listener if there are certain words that trigger you you know you could say okay I know this person isn't doing something deliberately let me be let let me share let me be vulnerable and say why this bothers me right 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 and hopefully that person is a good listener and can say oh wow you know thank you for letting me know so mm-hmm. that I don't continue to do the same thing, same thing that was triggering you and upsetting you and causing you to withdraw from me. Right, right. This is how you create experiences and not just fuck sessions, even though fuck sessions, you know, sometimes. Every once in a while, you know, they're good. You know, they have their place, have but their you don't, place. I don't want, I don't want my whole life to just be a bunch of fuck people. sessions. Yes. Like I want the experiences. I want the, I want the conversation. Like I love talking through sex. I really, really do. I love like, like expressive sex Um, because it just adds to the experience. It, it, it makes us mindful. Um, And for me, it's much more pleasurable, much more pleasurable. So Inez, rep, your brand tell us some wonderful things you have going on do you have any classes how can the people find you the best way for people to find me is they can text me my number is 
1-800-273-7470. You can also go to my website, Blissful Yoga and Massage. I'm really, really happy that I've created my, I've curated my own space on the internet. Mm-hmm. I have a, a, my own uh, kind of learning space, kind of similar to Patreon, but I didn't go through Patreon. I went through group app because they don't take away as much money and they also don't, um, you're allowed to talk about sexual aspects and they don't do a lot of the blocking that like Patreon or others do. Yeah, I I really researched it. So, you know, it's still relatively new. A lot of the stuff that I'm sharing is, you know, having these discussions on sexuality as well as all the other things that interest me. So, you know, being able to share like the mantras and and a lot of the tantric techniques and a lot of the the yoga, you know, like the philosophical stuff I put on there. So, you know, if anyone's interested, they could go to my IG page and, you know, click on my, in my bio, there's a link and just click on group app. And, you know, there are different levels that people can join. And I'm really looking to build up that community because these discussions that you and I are having are really important. And it's great for, for people to hear it on a podcast Mm -hmm. to be able to have other people there though that you can't respond to and you have these questions and you know what I'm noticing with a lot of heavy social media this the kind of topics that you and I talk about they get shadow banned so we're not able to really put out the kind of quality content that we want to absolutely and that's why I created you know, my space on group app, because I want to be able to go more in depth. And I just can't do that on these other platforms. It's just not allowed. Yeah. They hate us. (laughs) Haters gonna hate. Because I promise you, I will have content and I work really hard on like videos and stuff like that. Um, And then I will post it. And immediately, it's not even like it doesn't even give anyone a chance to see it. And I will get that little notification from IG like, nope, can't do it we're gonna I've actually we're threatening to shut your page down what yeah I've I've pulled back if you notice like over this summer I don't I don't share as much as I did like on these platforms only because I don't feel that it's reaching my audience the way that it used to right you know I think there was a time where you know like IG especially was kind of a free for all, you know, there are people who I follow who I never see. Right. Like ever. Like I, I don't even think that they were allowed to have pages anymore and they weren't doing anything explicit. Right. And so it, it's troubling because like we built up your platform, Mm -hmm. we made you a whole lot of money and now you want to sanitize everything. Yep. And now you want to just flush us down the drain. Yeah. And, and it's only a specific. We're talking. It's only a few. It's black people. Come on, say it, Brigitte. Yeah. It's, it's black, black people. people. They, they, they targeting black, black people. people. Yep, they are absolutely if, targeting. Like I have yet to see in the, at the rate that black sexuality educators, workers, therapists just anyone in the coaches in this field we are always talking about how our shit gets taken down but if we go over here and talk to susan 
or our, our Caucasian counterparts, they're like, oh, I didn't have that. Oh, I only had one thing taken down this whole month, baby. Every, right. every week. Right. Pornhub. Yeah. Pornhub can have all kind of titties, ass, pussy prints, and everything else. And I'm sitting here with a, with a red shirt on that says sex educator. And y'all trying to do what to me? Yeah. Say what? I've, I've, I've pointed it out. And I think like, I got like my way of, of getting pissed off was like I ain't giving you no fucking content. Yeah, like right, fuck you. I'm gonna figure. I'm figure something else out. I was like, I'm gonna take my shit elsewhere. Yeah. You know, because we have these good ideas, and when you're when you're a content producer, your heart and soul goes into. You know, especially if I'm writing, I want you to see it. I want you to be moved by it. I want you to be touched by it. I want you to feel like, damn, you know at least to ask yourself the question, like, what if, what is? So, yeah, you know, if you and I want to collaborate on something, you know, I'm hoping one day, I just keep putting this out there to be able to do a retreat. I'm still looking to, you know, and I want something nice. I want something where we could be on a beach and it's warm and everything is, taken care of so putting that out there and and really coaching you know that's really where where I'm at that's where I feel comfortable where I'm at right now I want to be able to have these conversations I want to be able to answer those those weird awkward sex questions that you know you don't feel comfortable you're not going to ask your parents you're not going to ask the doctor and because if I don't know I know that I can depend on you and other people within my network to say yep. here's where I got the answer from <laughs> right right because I promise you I will I will quote uh Dr. Lex Goody Howard I will quote y'all shout out to everybody and I I quote Amina at least once a week at least because Amina's a bomb Amina's oh, awesome. like, no, awesome. shout out to Amina because if anybody like we're talking about Amina Peterson of the Atlanta Institute of you know sexuality please 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 follow her um, yeah. like she's uh, just a radical I want to be as radical as her one day <laughs> Same. Like I look, like I follow her on on every social media. I like I can. I'm just like, this is where I'm trying to be when I grow up. And just the peace. Just she has such. Her tone is so peaceful, and I'm like, for your tone to be this peaceful, what what I need to do to have make sure I have that level of peace within my spirit, so I can talk like she she gives me Maya Angelou. That's yeah. What she gives me Maya Angelou, and I'm just like, ooh. Okay. I love me some Maya. Okay. <laughs> she definitely does. I think it's, it's time and experience. And because she's been doing this for 20 plus years and she's run the gamut and seen it from all angles, she just has a level of insight yeah. that many of us, you know, we're trying to get we're trying to get in the technological age that is saying we don't want to hear your voice, but we're okay with Caucasian voices. Yeah. Although the information that Caucasian voices are sharing is coming from information that mm-hmm. are from Black and Indigenous cultures. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, you know what, that's a, that's a podcast. That's a whole other time. Yeah, a whole other podcast. I mean, thank you so much for taking time with us 
um, sharing your energy and your beautiful spirit with the listeners of Say It To Me Nice. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. I know this is something that we talked about for a very, very long time. And, we, you know, we, we should have just recorded our phone conversation. The very first phone conversation, y'all, it was literally like almost three hours. It was three hours. Some dope shit. We didn't plan on running away. Move. Where we said we going? Like, where, where was, where were we going? Chile? What was it? We were gonna go like coast. We were gonna join Amina in Costa Rica. Yes. We were like, we, just, we were just gonna pack up our shit, and we were, we had said fuck it. We were gonna leave. We yes. were just gonna leave the they United States. We were like, fuck it. We, we just fuck it. We'll just join Amina. So y'all, make sure you follow Inez on all all social media outlets. What what are your what are your handles? Your IG handle? Uh, it's the same handle on everything. Black Latina Yogi on Twitter, IG, and Facebook. Black Latina Yogi on all mm-hmm. of them. All right. Thank you so much, Inez. 